0: i uh, appreciated seth's prayer that uh, jesus is our hope in life and death and as we were whitewater rafting yesterday uh, there were moments of both and uh, so grateful that uh, he's our life vest and uh, he keeps us afloat when we're not in the boat Uh, and so it was a great time yesterday uh, the the rapids were uh, very fun, uh, the surroundings were phenomenal, and the fellowship was fantastic. Uh, for those who missed this morning uh, during the equipping hour, we have we had the privilege of David Lund- Lunsford, who's with the Baptist Network Northwest, kind of sharing about what the uh, network is all about as we as a church are considering. Uh, Uh, partnering with them Uh, if you missed that we will post that probably by Monday or Tuesday it'll be online so you could see what the Baptist Network Northwest is all about and he will be in the back there's a a little uh, table back there with items if you want to speak with him afterwards I encourage you uh, to do that Thomas is uh, not here this morning appreciate your prayers Uh, he uh, He said uh, this is the sickest he's been in a long time. Uh, And so he wasn't uh, feeling well. I got home from the rafting trip and I was ready for the next ride, which is this morning. Uh, So I'm glad that you get to join me uh, on this ride. And it it is going to be one that's not normal uh, because uh, the passage that I'm going to be Addressing is one that you normally wouldn't hear preached in the pulpit. Uh, but we do believe that all of Scripture is inspired and profitable for teaching, for reproof, and for correction and righteousness, and training in righteousness. And so uh, it, it relates to when I was a youth pastor, uh, on a regular basis I would have dads come to me, kind of pull me aside and say, Hey, Bruce. When do I have the talk? And what do I say? And that's usually the response. Uh, "Is I don't know. Right? Uh, and uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to do something very unique. Solomon provides us in Scripture the talk. We get to actually... Look over his shoulder and listen to what he's going to say to his son. And he gives us a a template of what to say, what's important. It's not comprehensive, of course. And also, it, it, it doesn't relate specifically to today, because this, this, this thing called dating uh, is kind of a 20th century phenomenon starting in America. It, those terms weren't used in this passage, and so we're, we're going to have to do a little uh, uh, adapting on that, but, uh, and it's going to be Solomon speaking to his son, but I want everyone to know that these principles are just as relevant for your daughters and uh, for conversations that dads and moms need to have with, with their daughters. So, let's dive in and see what Solomon had to say to his son that is the ancient version of the talk. So if you would turn to Proverbs chapter 5, I'm going to be reading from the NASB and... Uh, We will dive in starting at verse 1. My son, give attention to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding, that you may observe discretion, and your lips may reserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways are unstable. She does not know it. Now then, my son, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one. And strangers will be filled with your strength. And your hard-earned goods will go to the house of an alien. And you groan at your final end when your flesh and your body are consumed. And you say, how I have hated instruction. And my heart spurned reproof. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to my instructors. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets... Let them be yours alone, and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let her satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held with the cords of his sins. He will die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. You almost have to take a breath after that conversation. We don't know how old... Solomon's son is at this point it could be that he was a teen maybe he was a fighting age age 20 in uh, the Hebrew culture uh, there's aspects in here where maybe he was married and he's being admonished even after being married on how to live his life I can't say for sure uh, but there's aspects here that relate to him before he's married And there's aspects here that are admonitions for him after being married. Let's dive in. There's five admonitions that Solomon gives here. And men, this is just a great outline that you could take and just walk your son uh, through it. And by the way, uh, my encouragement with time, experience, my own successes and failures, is that uh, start early. And by the way, almost every man that ever came to me and said, uh, what would that be too early? Everyone came back and said, I was already late. Almost across the board, I was too late. What I would encourage is start young. Nowadays, you have to just start with, yes, that's a man. And yes, that's a woman. You have to start with the basics, gender, all those things. And then you ramp up. And as you build relationship, as your children grow, and they're at that point where they need to know, want to know, hopefully, because you've already started the dialogue, you already have created a safe space, they come to you and not their friends to ask, so how does this all work? How does this all work? This is Solomon's message to his son, on the gift of his sexuality. What is he to do with it? It was given by God, designed by God. What does he do? So that it can be a blessing in his life and not a curse. And by the way, if by the time I'm finished, you're not quite sure what I mean by that, just talk to others here and they can share with you what the curses are. God provides grace, but He doesn't wink at our sin. The consequences are still there. And that's exactly what Solomon is trying to admonish his son is, Son, don't go there. Listen to me. Uh, And I can just say this, you don't know what you don't know. And don't wait until, oh, now I get it but I learned it because I'm reaping the consequence what Solomon is doing here is exactly what all of Proverbs was about who is the wise man the wise man is the one who hears what his father says and does it rather than have to go do the opposite and go you know what you're right see that's the fool the fool is the one that puts their hand on the stove and says you know right it does burn your hand that's the definition of a fool And so, Solomon is providing wisdom to his son. And he gives five admonitions that are very, very important. And I'll be as discreet, yet candid, as I can be. First admonition. Son, heed wise counsel. It will preserve your life. Verse 1 and 2 says, My son, give attention to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. That you may observe discretion and your lips may reserve knowledge solomon starts his conversation here with his son by admonishing him to stop what he's doing stop and i want your mind and your body focused right here listen up what i've got to say is so essential so important i need Full attention. And he calls his son to pay attention to wisdom. What is that? We we talked about it in the past when we did the series on James. We go back to the book of Job, the first place where wisdom and understanding are used. That's where we find the definition of wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is simply how do we get wisdom according to Proverbs? It's the fear of the Lord. So I first have to start with, I believe God is the Creator. He also then will be the Judge. I need to submit to His instruction in my life. And that fear is a good thing. That awe of God is a good thing. And when I'm in that place, I will come to know wisdom. But it starts with a fear of the Lord. And that's where his dad, Solomon, starts His son must believe that he's going to stand before his Creator. And he's going to give an account for his life decisions. And it's going to include what he does with his sexuality. He's going to have to give an account. The word understanding here is, according to Job in Job 28.28, is the ability to discern. First, I discern. And then I avoid what? Evil. That's the definition of understanding that's given to us by Job in the very beginning of Scripture. Job is probably the first book that was ever written that's in the the Scriptures. And that's the first definition of understanding is to first discern that's not right. And then what am I going to do with that discernment? See, to avoid is I act on that discernment wisely. So, Solomon is saying, listen to my wisdom. I want you to have understanding, son. I want you to fear the Lord. I want you to discern evil and avoid it. And I want you to get that in your heart now. It needs to be your conviction. Youth ministry... Number one goal as a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for 14 years. High school teacher for eight. Uh, working with youth. Long. Is it your faith? Is that your conviction? Or is that mom and dad's? See, that's, that's when you become a man. That's when you become a woman. Is when you put your big boy pants on And it's my conviction because I'm standing before God and I'm mature. I stand. I understand my responsibility and I assume it. Why does Solomon want his son to pay attention? The reason is, is because he desires for his message to bear fruit in his son's life. Solomon's doing this because he cares about his son's future. He knows that his convictions... And by the way, we're going to end with this note, dads. How did Solomon do at keeping his own counsel? Does that have an impact on your boys taking your word and your advice? Yeah. That's why the admonition here first, man, is unlike Solomon, we have to first apply it. And as we're bearing fruit, we can come with authority at that point because there's integrity in our life. We have the authority to speak into our son's life. He asks his son to observe discretion. Discernment is the ability to distinguish between what's good and what is evil. And discretion is the ability to identify all the various options, circumstances, and then act with caution upon the wise option. Solomon is trying to lay it out for him. See the options. See the consequences. See, that's when you don't know what you don't know. You don't know the consequences. It's like when Eve was told, oh, by the way, if you eat of that, you'll surely die. What's that? See, death was nowhere in the universe except in the angelic realm at that point. They didn't know what that was. The word was said. The concept was produced. No experience. And that's the tendency here when it comes to this issue for sexuality for our our sons and our daughters is... They don't know what they don't know. And as parents, we don't want them to reap many times what it is that we reaped ourselves. So, to observe means to conform to the practice. So, Solomon is saying, I want you to practice discretion. He also says, I want you to keep, to keep these principles When Adam was in the garden, this is one of the terms that was there. He was to keep and tend the garden. It's actually the two verbs that are used only for the Levitical priesthood. It also meant to guard and to protect. See, the son needs to protect his soul, protect his purity, and protect the purity of others. How's he going to do? Is he going to follow through? Most young men don't know how to treat a woman with honor. And they don't know how to righteously pursue a spouse. But they do watch TV. And they do read books. And they talk to their peers. Who's going to disciple them in that quest? Dads, it's you and I who are called to do this responsibility. And what we want is, the reason why he says that uh, the lips guard knowledge, that's the phrase he has there, is the lips, he wants his lips to guard knowledge, is because we retain God's truths that are entrusted to us, which will result in godly speech. See, when, when I was a youth pastor, when I would hear a student use the me, my, I terms. I was listening for pronouns. While well, my parents want me to, while well, my dad said, it was the step that occurred when they said, I know the Lord has commanded me to do X. The pronouns changed. It's very subtle, but out of the lips reveals our heart. Right? And so that's why Solomon is, is challenging his son to speak truth and to guard knowledge. So young men need to learn then practice how to speak honorably to a woman. This will not only honor or protect and guard their own hearts, but it helps to guard the hearts of every woman he speaks to. I don't know, uh, I'm dating myself. Uh, So I'm going to help those of you who are younger out. There was a well-known commercial campaign when I was a kid that promoted an investment company named EF Hutton. Whenever a person in the commercial would begin to tell his friend the financial advice he uh, received from his EF Hutton advisor, uh, everyone around him would instantly stop what they were doing and act like they wanted to hear the financial advice that this person was just about to say. So, uh, as this guy says, and my E.F. Hutton Hutton advisor said, everyone stopped and wanted to listen. Solomon wants his son to respond to him and to his message on how to wisely manage his sexuality as if he were a spiritual advisor sharing God's divine counsel. And we need to listen. Listen. Dads, if we want our sons to have godly convictions to remain pure until their wedding night, we must begin early to teach them God's truth and pray that it will capture their attention, their time, and their heart. It must be their conviction, and it must be gripped early and soon. The fear of God and His Word, the conviction to discern and avoid evil, must become a conviction in their hearts at an early age. If they're going to keep their minds on righteousness and guard their lips from impure conversations rather than seek out illicit material and speak vulgarities. Dads, when you start this process, I encourage you to Take your son away, have some time with just you and him, begin to build into that relationship, uh, do things that he enjoys. And then I would begin to have those conversations and I would build, build, review, build, review. Why? Most important, can I just tell you? If your son doesn't know why, he won't. He knows what. You're telling him. But he doesn't know why. He will not be convinced. See, he's going to be challenged by his peers. And by the way, I can say his Christian peers will be his greatest challenge. His Christian peers. Why are you doing that? How come? He now has to give what type of answer? Why? Why? If he doesn't, if he's not convinced in the why, he's not going to keep his conviction, much less stand. So you want to invest time in that relationship, and you want to be candid. Begin slowly pursuing, helping them to understand how to pursue a spouse with honor, uh, how to do that. It's the specifics that are important. Don't be just general. Be specific. They don't know. And TV is preaching. Disney. Disney. Drives me nuts. Every show is about elementary kids and junior hires hooking up. Why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? Because they know if they're young and they get involved, they have no idea what they're doing, and it's a disaster. That's great. That's great. Because that's their agenda. Have they not revealed that very explicitly in this past year? It's not a hidden agenda, guys. It's straight up where they want to go. They want your children. They've said that. We want your children. And how they gather them is sexually. That's how they gain the recruit. So now that Solomon's got his son's attention he's communicated his desire to bless and protect his future he now starts with warnings to his son and that brings us to the second admonition and that is son don't listen to her lies a strange woman's sweet promises always end in bitter death Verse 3, For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of Sheol. She She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways are unstable. She does not even know it. So Solomon's coming along with his son, he's gotten his attention and he says, son, son, beware of the strange woman. Now, I just want to say, here's where I think we become, we don't, we don't see the relevance of this passage because we get tripped up here on this word, this strange woman. Most of us today go, I don't know any strange women, don't know what that refers to, so that's not relevant to me. And this passage is just chucked out the window, and we don't understand. Most person, people, when they read this, it's like, well, I don't know strange women. I'm not involved in strange women, so this is not relevant to me. What the word means in the Hebrew is, uh, the NASB uses the word adulterous, but it actually means someone who's unfamiliar, unknown. And it's also someone, a woman who's morally corrupt. She's morally corrupt. It could be a prostitute, or it could be a woman who's married and not faithful to her her husband, uh, which would then give the implication that at least she's married this woman and she's not faithful to her husband. Uh, Or it could be just someone who's foreign, she's not Jewish. That the term is even used for those who were in the country that were not Jewish they were foreign so the admonition here is beware of strange women and uh i'll i'll unpack that uh, here in just a minute i'll, I'll give you the definition and I'll i'll repeat it this is what i think would be a better definition so you can see the relevance to us today A strange woman could be defined as any morally corrupt woman that is not one's wife. See, your wife is familiar, right? She's strange. So when you want to see a strange woman, it's someone who's not your wife. Any morally corrupt woman that's not one's wife who entices or allows a young man to become sexually involved with her outside of marriage. Whether it's before fornication or adultery after the wedding. Let me repeat that. What's a strange woman? It's any morally corrupt woman, that's not one's wife, who entices or allows a young man to become sexually involved with her outside of marriage, whether before or after his wedding. If we look at it that way, this passage is amazingly relevant. Nowadays, sometimes they're called girlfriend. Didn't have that term in the Hebrew. Right? Right? Could be a coworker, a one-night fling, a fiance, an actress, porn star, mistress, certain massage therapists, someone who's not your wife. Hebrews thirteen four. I encourage you to write that down. Hebrews thirteen four. It's a command. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled. Some translations say pure, some say undefiled. Now, here's the key for fornicators, that's sexuality outside of marriage in general and beforehand, for fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So the question is, why does Solomon warn his son not to listen? Say he, notice, he says, don't listen. Why does he say not listen to a strange woman like this? What was the first line of attack with Eve? Conversation. To change their conviction because we act based upon what we believe. That's where it starts. So when a conversation begins to happen, and then all of a sudden, oh, why do you do that? That's odd. Isn't that what they said with the Midianite? You you Jewish people, you eat funky food and you worship a weird God. Uh, That's odd. Oh, I want to fit in. Right? Right? For example, ah, don't listen to your parents. They're legalists. They're old-fashioned. Even if it's wrong, God promises to forgive you, right? As long as no one knows who could get hurt. Since we love each other, we know we're going to get married. What would be wrong with acting like we're married now? And by the way, can I just tell you the devastation of counseling those couples that because they did pursue sin, they didn't get married. Devastating. They bought a lie. See, it started with a conversation. that gave a lie. And then that lie was embraced and then a lamb is led to slaughter. And that's what Solomon is saying here. son, Listen. Realize what's being said here. Are you going to be wise? Are you going to be able to discern, understanding what is right and what is wrong, and then avoid that? Solomon wants his son to clearly understand beforehand that what initially sounds sweet, enticing, pleasurable, full of life, will ultimately leave a bitter taste in his mouth and it will cut his heart in two. Other passages in Proverbs, you'll be turned into a loaf of bread. How's that, son? This is why every young man needs to formulate his moral convictions and sexual standards based on purely biblical principles and it's before he meets that special someone it's got to be beforehand I've watched this for a long time I've seen how it's played out and off they go bite the hook set they're off to be filleted Tragic. Why? Not their conviction. Third admonition. Verse seven, son, just run. Run, forest, run. Just run. Remember, Joseph? Please stick around and have a combo. Hey, Mrs. Potterford, don't think this is the best. What do you think? Let's talk about it. Coffee, maybe, tomorrow. No, run. Run. Verse 7 Now then, my sons, listen to me and do not depart from my words and my mouth. Keep your way far from her, do not go near the door of her house. Or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one. And strangers will be filled with your strength. And your hard-earned goods will go to the house of an alien. And you groan at your final end when your flesh and your body are consumed. And you say, how I have hated instruction. And my heart spurned reproof. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to my instructors. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Solomon doesn't want his son to say that. He's saying it for him. Please, son, don't go there. Trust me that if you do this, this is where you will go because I'm trying to tell you what you don't know. Trust me. Listen to my counsel. Notice he says, he talks about his mind and his body. Solomon knows that his son must first decide whose counsel will he listen to and follow. Can I just tell you, Mom and Dad, this is the battle we have for our children today. It's Are they going to listen to you in the Word of God? Or are they going to listen to their favorite rock artist, their favorite author that they read, favorite TV character that they watch and admire, whose counsel are they going to follow? You need to realize counsel is pouring in on them like a fire hose. They need to hear you clearly so that they can have their own convictions before God. So Solomon mentions the mind and then the body. If the son chooses to listen to the beautiful woman, his moral convictions will waver. He'll be tempted to spend more time with her in places that allow for and encourage sexual gratification. Locations where there is no visibility or accountability. This reminds me of the Apostle Paul. It's, It's amazing how the Apostle Paul's admonitions parallel Solomon's instruction here. It's actually kind of amazing. Solomon said, keep your way far from her. Paul said this, abstain from sexual immorality. The word abstain means keep far away. When you abstained from chocolate cake, how much did you enjoy? And if you're wise... What distance do you keep from the chocolate cake so that you do abstain? <laughs> right? Paul says in First Corinthians 6.18, flee immorality. The word means to run. To move hastily away from danger. See, we toy with it. We're like the kitty cat with the mouse. Let's see what happens. Now, the commands that deal with sexuality are run, flee, abstain. Not manage, not minimize, not limit. Notice the verbs. There's biblical verbs, and then there's our own created verbs, and then we wonder why God doesn't bless those. See, the Holy Spirit only empowers His verbs, not ours. We were not told to manage sexuality. We were told to flee, abstain, and make no provision. The word make no provision means make no strategy. See, when it comes to this issue, we have strategies. And we fulfill those plans. We think about it in advance. Oh, I don't know how I got here. Right? No. We knew exactly what was going on. That's why in Romans it says, make no provision for the flesh. No strategies. The key to purity is to have an intentional, purposeful, and advanced plan on how to avoid, abstain, not go near, flee from, and keep away from strange women in places where sexual immorality can occur. That's where we have to be like Joseph. Now notice Joseph's problem. He's a slave. Where does he go? Right? It's the master's wife, and he's a slave. But notice, even in those circumstances, what did he do? He ran. Well, you might lose your job. He ran. Right? See, do I fear God or do I fear men? What are some of the consequences that Solomon's son might reap if he does not heed his father's counsel to keep far away? Not go near the door of a strange woman. Now this list is unbelievable. And we again, we don't put it into context today it says his son will lose control over the fruits of his own labor all you have to do is have a conversation with someone who had a child out of wedlock and they're paying child support and who decides that child support a judge who you don't even know. And that's exactly what this passage says. is An unknown man will have charge over you. Well, I'm working extra jobs. I'm working hard. I, I can't even go where I want to go because I have to stay in this county because this is where the judge says I have to be. All of a sudden, my future, my direction, whatever it is I feel called of God to do, I'm chained here Because of a decision that I made in my life. And Solomon is saying, son, you have no idea what you will reap in your life. God will forgive you, but you will reap these things and you can't take away the reaping. Don't go there. Almost, I beg you, son. I've known people who've lost their home. Why? 50-50. I've known people who've lost their home and all their assets just to pay the lawyer. All that 10 years, 20 years of all that hard labor. poof. Alimony, child support, visitation schedules. We have a friend right now. They live in the courts because the, the, other, the other man, he loves court and he wants to make their life miserable and he's effective. They're in court all the time. He's working two jobs, three jobs just to pay the lawyers. Now, this doesn't apply to those who are victims of someone's sin. I want to make sure that's very clear here. But I can just say, these are those things when you're 16 and she was very pretty and she said nice things to me, you're not thinking about. These are all those things. You can't even imagine these kinds of consequences. You're 16 and she's cute and she's in the youth group. So it's got to be right, right? Today, the Christian young man believes that there is an acceptable level of sexual activity that they can enjoy prior to marriage with their potential bride, which they believe is not immoral. It doesn't defraud their future husband, because remember, everyone, uh, that you're spending time with, very key principle. You may want to write this down. It's profound. If she's not your wife, she's not your wife. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But we don't believe that. I'm sure she's... I would be a wealthy man if I got a nice little gold coin for everyone who said, I know this is the one. And then they proceeded to make decisions accordingly and they ended up not being the one. And now there's carnage. There's consequences. Pain. Number four. Solomon now provides some motivation. Son, why do you want to believe me? I want to give you some motivation. And this is the fourth admonition. Son... Wait and delight in your wife. It's worth the wait. Trust me. It's worth the wait. He begins to say in verse 15, Drink water from your own cistern. Fresh water. Not used water. Not some water that others have been in. Fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be yours alone, and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Be exhilarated always with her love, for why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? Solomon wants the sexual intimacy, the fountain of his son's marriage to be uh, with his future wife to be blessed. Can I say that in counseling, the marriage bed, remember that that command? Your marriage bed is to be pure and undefiled. That's a circle. The bed is a circle. Anything you do, see, in, in America... We come up with a mindset of, well, that's what I did before I was married, so that's okay. No, it's a circle. You're either in the circle or you're out of the circle. So whether it's beforehand or afterwards, you're you're outside the circle. Inside the circle is, it's your wife and it's your marriage bed. That's why it says fornicators and adulterers will be judged. How do we keep the marriage bed pure? Only with your spouse. People have always asked me, well, how do you know what is sexual? It's very simple. It's actually incredibly simple. Men, what do you want your male friends doing to your wife after you're married? That's the same standard that you should treat all women before you're married. I've spoken many times to... Non Christians, and you know what the answer is to that question? What do you want your male friend to do to your wife? You know, the answer is the same with non Christians. What's that answer? Nothing. But we don't believe that. If it was sexual after you're married, wasn't it the same sexual beforehand? See, we we try and come up with this. Well, that's not sexual. So we can do that. I'm like, really? So you walked an aisle, and all of a sudden it became sexual afterwards. How'd that happen? What scripture do you use? It's a circle, not a line. Number five. Sorry, there was so much I missed. Number five. Let me just end this with four. There's two key principles for principle number four. Dads, you need to teach your sons these two principles. I already mentioned it until a young lady is your wife, she's not your wife, and she's going to be your brother in Christ's wife. And 1 Thessalonians 4 says, Do not defraud your brother in Christ in this matter. How do you defraud him? Just ask the question, how would someone defraud your marriage bet? It's very simple. We make it complicated. It's very simple. The second principle is live out the golden rule of relationships. Say and do unto your future brother's, your brother's future wife. <laughs> Rewind the golden rule of relationships say and do unto your brother's future wife everything you would want him to say and do to your future wife right and that's what the golden rule says do unto others you want them to do to you what do you want your christian brother doing and saying to your wife See, everyone who's not your wife is your brother's wife. Have you defrauded and trespassed? What's trespassing? It's going on in someone else's territory. It's defiling, defrauding. Final point Son, decide today to reject illicit sex. Escape its consequences and God's judgment. Verse 21, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. God is absolutely omniscient. He sees it all. And the reason that Solomon is saying that is, Son, even if I don't see what happens, God is watching everything you say and do. And you're going to have to give an account. Notice what will not only happen in giving other than giving an account to God notice in verse 22 his own iniquities will capture the wicked himself and he will be held with the cords of his sin that's identical to what Paul said to the Galatians do not mock God whatever you sow you will reap if you sow to the flesh what will you reap destruction, corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap eternal life. Paul saying the exact same thing that Solomon is saying here to his son. Your own sin will produce issues in your life that you will have to reap for the rest of your marriage. Your children will reap the consequences of this. He's begging him, do not do this. Remember who's watching. Verse 23, He will die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of His folly, He will go astray. In those two passages I mentioned, 1 Thessalonians 4, that talk about sexual immorality, in Hebrews 13, notice both of them end with God will avenge And God will judge sexual sin. Just like Solomon said here, when it's all said and done, you're going to have to stand before Him. Please, consider, son, what you are doing. Dads, you and I have an opportunity. Come alongside and mentor our sons. Daughters as well. Are we going to seize that? The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians nine, and it's relevant to all of us, myself included. And I'll put it in. Uh, I changed the pronouns to fit us as men. 1 Corinthians nine twenty-seven: Discipline our bodies and make it our slave. So that after we've preached to our sons and daughters, we ourselves will not be disqualified. Is that not what Solomon did? He disqualified himself a thousand times over. Literally.